Welcome back to another edition of the Cation Covered Podcast brought to you by Capital Federal, uh, True Blue partner with us. And once again, this is Brent Maycock along with Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and Ricky Peterson here to talk about what's gone on on high school scene over the last couple weeks and what we have to look forward to in the next couple weeks. Uh, hard to believe, but postseason is uh, just around the corner. Uh, our next podcast, we'll be talking about state tennis and state golf, which will be coming up in, in uh, mid early to mid-October. So we'll dive into those sports a little bit. Uh, definitely pretty hard next week as we look ahead to the state tournaments for both of those. But we'll start this week with um, the classifications were announced this past week and some pretty significant changes, especially on the football side where um, lots of movement back and forth between classes and the most notable ones, I would say, are... Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and St. James Academy moving back up to Class 5A and, and Cape and Mount Carmel dropping down to Class 4A. And Scott, uh, you know, Cape and I believe back in the day when they won the championships, they were 4A, but it, it was the second or maybe the biggest classification back at that time. Now it's hard to imagine uh, Cape and Mount Carmel being a 4A program in this day and age. Yeah, actually the lion's share of their titles came in 3A, but that that's probably today's equivalent of 4A uh, for sure. And that, that certainly was a seismic shift or, or seismic news when that came out that Capon's uh, going to 4A. It's just one of those schools you have a tough time imagining them uh, playing in 4A. But, it, you know, I know it's kind of happened with, with Bishop Miege going to 4A up in the, in the Kansas City area. It's probably the Western version of this, I would say. Um, I think what's interesting to me, they, they will come in as the as the biggest 4A school for football the next two years, and and there you know there are a bunch of 4A high schools in the Wichita area and kind of this this South Central Kansas part of the state. Uh, Capon's enrollment is is significantly you know for those three classes that they that they use to to uh, uh, classify football, they are they're up there in the upper 600s and and a lot of those schools a lot of the 4a schools around the wichita area in the top three classes are under 500 so so that's kind of that that thing that that makes you raise your eyebrow i guess a little bit about cape and uh, being in 4a it'll take some getting used to 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 know that their you know their their playoff path will now uh include you know more more of the buellers and mcpherson's and and uh uh you know, a lot that the five A class down here, especially a couple of years ago with with Mays and and uh, uh, you know with Capen and and uh, uh, a lot of the other schools, it was a very deep five uh, A. And now this this the apple cart has been upset uh, for, for sure down here. I would say with with Capen going to four A, you know they'll they've got a really experienced team last year, and I'm not, I'm not sure what they've you know what what they've got coming in behind it, but it does. You know, one thing I think it does raise a possibility, um, you know, we, we've got Andale down here in the 3A juggernaut. Uh, Andale and Capen have been playing uh, or have played this year and in, in for anyway in freshman and JV. You know, that's one of those dream matchups. If, if you want to dream a little bit, we might have, you know, may, maybe it draws us a little closer to getting an Andale who's who's currently on a 55-game winning streak. Uh, maybe an Andale-Capen uh, non-district type or non, you know, one of those matchups that that, that maybe uh, could be on the horizon. So we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, it obviously changes the the landscape of, of 5A, uh, especially with Mays going up to 6A. Uh, you know, now 5A is kind of taking more of an e- eastern shift, I would say, um, when you look at who's 
what who's moved to 5A for the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. With I was going to say with Mays also moving up and you know Northwest making the move two years ago and staying there this year, you know the powers that have been uh, down in the down in the Wichita area on the 5A side, uh, really most of your representatives in the state championship game here over the last uh, last decade or so are now up in in Class 6A. Uh, you know, with Mays up there and Wichita Northwest, you've got Bishop Carroll still in 5A out west, but. You know, there there hasn't been a whole lot of other teams really crack that uh, that that uh, top echelon there in 5A, and and I think we I think we'll see maybe some uh, some possibility for some interesting stuff this year. Uh, you know, 5A down in down in Wichita, Eisenhower having a great season so far. You know, Goddard's having a good year. Valley Center is having a good year. Um, there's some really really good teams down there in the 5A West, and and we might see some new blood uh, going forward in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, coming out of the 5A West, and it'll also send some of those teams that have been East now West with with Capen and Mays moving up. I think you'll see maybe Topeka West and maybe Seaman uh, shifting out to the western western half of the state. Uh, you know, they'll they'll be excited, I think, to get away from the Aquinases and those type of schools, but uh, but in Mill Valley and Blue Valley Southwest and those schools, but. It won't get any easier. I mean, 5A is still going to be deep, just maybe not some of the, the traditional powers we've seen out there in, in the past years. Yeah, you know, maybe it opens the door for a Hayes or, or you know, somebody like that in 5A. I did, you mentioned Eisenhower. They're having a having a great year this year. Um, you know, really, that Division Two of the Archaeology Chisholm Trail has got a lot of 3-1, and 4-0 and teams. Those are teams that, that uh, you know, obviously not this year. It's, it's not going to really affect uh, the, the future, but – but if those programs can keep it at that level, yeah, you, 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 I agree with you. You think, you know, there might be some, uh, some fresh blood uh, in, on on the five A Western side for sure. Yeah, and and really the five newcomers in the in five A this year, all East schools: Baser, St. James, Blue Valley, Blue Valley North, and Aquinas. So. Uh, kind of like how Class Six A, where the West the West shift has been Free State and Lawrence, and uh, coming out to the western half of the state, and you know there's nowhere they're nowhere near west. They're they're barely uh, <laughs> barely western Douglas County, let alone western Kansas. So um, and then you got western schools going up to the six A in Wichita West and May. So Lawrence and Free State might find themselves back on the east side. Um, when the when the breakdowns come out uh, in Class Six A going forward, and then your West side is going to take a, a little bit different look, and then you know Baser to Linwood, they've been down there in Four A fighting Miege and fighting fighting uh, St. James for years and years and years, and now they they finally get to move up to Class Five A, and, and Aquinas and St. James come right along with them, and Blue Valley and Blue Valley North, which Blue Valley one of the you know a program that's been tradition rich for years and years and years, and Blue Valley. North, uh, a recent state champion when they had Graham Mertz at quarterback. So, you know, 5A on the east side just got a whole lot tougher, that's for sure. You know, looking at, at some other classes, uh, you know, nothing nothing really earth-shattering, I think, in the, in the lower classes. Maybe, you know, Rossville dropping to 1A for football. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll kind of be an interesting thing. They're, they're 3A in all their other sports, and now they'll be 1A in football. 
uh, for the next two-year cycle. So you don't you don't see that very often. I, I know I know another school. I think it was Uniontown did something like that a few years ago, where they were one A in football and three A in other sports. But you know Rossville, a, a traditional program with with five state titles under under Derek Thomas there, them dropping down to one A just adds another another powerful school. Uh, it's class one A, and then you know just some of the movement between eight man and uh, and eleven man. You got Maranatha, uh, South Sumner, Mound Ridge, Caraparavel, Bennington, Harrington, and Donovan West all moving up uh, to eleven man football, and then Northern Heights, Northeast Arma, and Ellis moving down to eight man, and and some of those um, I'm probably sure didn't really want to make the move, but they cracked that hundred hundred student barrier and so they were kind of forced to do it. I know Care Paravel comes in at 101 and if you if you want to play eight-man football you have to have 100. So they're one kid over so uh, you know they're probably and it'll be interesting they, they've never played 11-man football. They've, they've started as an eight-man program uh, and, and have played eight-man football all the way throughout so you know they move up. Uh, South Sumner is a school that got to 105 so they move up. Bennington 110 uh, they move up, and some of the others just did it on their own accord. Donovan West on on their own accord, um, and some schools like that. So, uh, some movement there. Surprisingly, we didn't see a whole lot of schools drop down into that uh, six man ranks. I thought maybe we might see more schools dip down there into the six man division, but really only uh, only three programs go from six man to uh, to or eight man to six man. That South Barber, Meridazine, and Otis Bison. And then you have several six-player schools that move up to back up to eight-man: Ashland, Center, Tribune, and Waverly. So, uh, and Deerfield. So, six six-man is kind of fighting a numbers battle uh, to kind of stay where they need to need to be to uh, have a state championship, and and uh, they might have to maybe adjust some of those enrollment figures to allow more schools to maybe participate in six-man that really want to and and uh, give themselves some opportunity, but. And uh, in, in talking about classifications, uh, we got Mark Lentz, uh, uh, the assistant director here for in charge of football, uh, visited with us and gave him some of his uh, his thoughts and impressions on the on the district changes and classification changes, and uh, just just talked a little bit about uh, what goes on in, in in doing that. All right, welcome to the first installment of the KSHSAA covered segment inside the walls of the Activities Association. And this is Jeremy Holliday, Assistant Executive Director with the High School Activities Association. Joining me today is Mark Lentz, also Assistant Executive Director of the High School Activities Association. And we're going to talk about classifications. Those obviously just got released this week. And Mark uh, heads up that process here in the office. So thought it'd be a good idea to have Mark explain <coughs> what exactly that process is each year for our schools and how that all comes about. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeremy. And yeah, the uh, classification process is a pretty detailed process. Basically, on September 20th, the schools send in their uh, enrollment numbers. Again, that is their enrollment numbers in their database for grades 9 through 12. We take those uh, 9 through 12 data and basically there's two different things that take place. One is for the annual classifications, that means everything but football and girls tennis, um, that information is compiled 
and completed to find out what classifications based on the enrollment 9 through 12 that each of our schools would be in. And with that being said, there's a breakdown as far as the number of schools. You always stop, start excuse me, from the top to the bottom in the fact that you, know, you see Wichita East being the largest school. Then you take 36 schools that make up Class 6A. So the 36 highest enrollment schools make up Class 6A. And then it kind of goes down from there. In uh, Class 5A, there's 36 schools. In Class 4A, there's 36 schools. And then you break it down a little higher in class uh, 3A and 2A, there are 64 schools. And in class 1A, there's 115 schools. But in some of our activities, those are broken down in two divisions, which are taken care of by each of the sport administrators to have an equal separation between the two divisions based on the number of schools that are playing that particular activity or sport. Yeah, so obviously this year, every every two years, we go through a new football cycle. So this year was indeed a time for that. So part of this is football classifications. Right. You know, in that information, then we're just going to pull out grades 9 through 11 from that enrollment data. It's not 9 through 12 because in football, you're planning ahead the next two years. So the football districts that will be set up based off classifications – takes grades 9 through 11 for the 2024 and the 2025 seasons. And that is something that was established several years ago by the board to give schools an opportunity to play home and away schedule and to understand for a two-year basis because of the fact you, you only play man, a set number of games, nine games, unlike maybe some of the other sports that may take place, has more games. In football, obviously, you don't want to play too many because of the uh, contact piece of the game and and the, the potential to injury and those type of things. So it's a little bit different breakdown as well. We have actually nine separate classifications in football based on you know pure size and level and a different format of football that each of our schools play. Um, we have our Class 6A, and that is the 32 highest enrollment schools. Um, so it's not the top 36 like an annual. It's 32. In 5A is the next 32, 4A is 32, and in 3A it's 40, in 2A it's 40, in 1A gets the remainder of the schools declared to want to play 11-player football, and that number happens to be 46 this year. And then we have two divisions of 8-player football, and uh, it was kind of an established through the uh, a recommendation a few years ago that Division One have cap out at 48 schools and the remainder of, of eight player schools um, plays in division two. Unfortunately, that number's a little smaller this year at 39. So uh, that may be something we have to look at in the future based on any kind of proposal that may come in from our member schools. And then we have six player. And in six player, we have 22 schools declared to play six player um, this year. So, you know, that's kind of put together that direction. Once we've got all that data inputted, my next responsibility is to establish districts for the 24-25 uh, school year once we know everybody in uh, each of their classifications or divisions. In 6A, 5A, 4A, there are no district assignments. Our schools uh, voted through recommendations from those schools to uh, schedule their own schedule for eight games. 
and uh, no districts and we take everything from that point on and seed it onto the bracket uh, after week eight competition. And then in uh, class uh, 3A, those 40 schools will bro be broken down into eight districts. And obviously easy math, that would be uh, districts of five schools in each of those. And they know that, you know, they have the range of when those district games are played. They all know that they'll have a buy in, in within those districts and uh, they'll get that information soon. I'll talk about that in a little bit. In class 3A, excuse me, I just said 40. Class 2A also has 40, so it's the same breakdown as 3A. Class the 1A, the 46 schools is a little bit different in the fact that, yes, they're in eight districts, but uh, two of those districts will be basically five schools. The rest will be six schools and broken down that way. In the eight-player, you know, districts, they're districts of six, you know, the easy math there. And then in uh, eight-player division two, um, that one, that, that odd number of 39 was a very difficult number in the fact that one of those districts is going to only have four schools and uh, the rest will have five. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult on them to schedule and hopefully they can schedule within some of their leagues and things such as that and cross with uh, Division One. And then in six player, those 22 are broke down and they're pretty much spread across the state but uh, there'll be two districts of six, two districts of five, and then uh, they schedule the remainder of their games uh, the best they possibly can around the state. Some will travel a long distance. Um, some will, you know, try to, you know, minimize the, yeah, the, the, middle, the travel, meet in the middle, like Jeremy just said. Um, we're going to release this information as far as the district assignments on October the 4th. It takes a little bit of time to compile that information. And, and decide, you know, what is the best fit? How does it help leagues? How does it facilitate scheduling? Um, giving teams the best opportunity to try and get full schedules. Um, so a lot of that takes place, and we try to limit travel the best possible ways we can, although that's very difficult in some areas of the state. But um, it's something that, you know, all goes into uh, consideration when doing so, and We'll release that information. We have a scheduling meeting that uh, our schools come to and uh, hopefully can uh, fill their schedules with all the membership that will be in attendance. Yeah, the October 4th date in Salina is, is an interesting time. Uh, as Mark has always explained, it's kind of like Wall Street. Uh, sometimes uh, with our schools there trying to fill their schedules once they figure out who indeed is in their district. And obviously it helps if they're – helps or hurt depending on the league play when it comes to those schools as well. Um, last thing we wanted to touch on was uh, obviously when the classifications come out, the, the obvious uh, public sentiment is, hey, what's, what's the status of the public-private, uh, I guess I'll call it legislation. And uh, so we thought we'd just provide a little update for you, for you all out there and where we're sitting on that. But, Mark? Yeah, you know, you know Jeremy talked about, and this has obviously been a, a – a topic of discussion, you know, from our membership and uh, and communities around the state, you know, whether or not, um, you know, what's right, what's wrong. I don't know if there is a right or wrong on this in the fact that um, our membership brought to our board of directors a, a proposal. And uh, when they brought that proposal, it passed out of our board of directors, which meant the next step was to uh, take it through the state board of education in which they voted to uh take it on to the state legislators. Um, at that point in time, 
Um, a lot of legislation was in front of the legislators, and uh, you know they they did have it in a committee. Um, it never did get out of committee, so it never got an opportunity to be voted on by uh, the legislative body. And I granted for for multiple reasons, I'm sure, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there was a lot of legislation in front of them as well. So um, we we understand that, and uh, it'll again come in front of them again to see whether or not uh, they want to you know, discuss it in committee or take it out of committee. And uh, it's kind of, we're just in a wait and see on that one. And, you know, we just communicate with our membership the best possible ways we can on the information that we receive. Yep, Mark get it. And it's just kind of a waiting game and we will do wait with the rest of them and, uh, and wait our turn for when our name is called to, to come over there to the state building. So, well, that wraps it up. Appreciate everybody joining us for this uh, first installment here of what's going on in the walls of the Activity Association. And until next time, thank you. And thank you to Mark Lentz for joining our podcast this week with a little insight into classifications and and uh, we'll, we look forward to uh, welcoming some of our assistant directors here at Keisha and joining us periodically to kind of chime in with some, some things that are going on at the Activity Association um, that, uh, that are interesting. I know in a couple of weeks uh, we'll probably have a visit from Kyle Doporalski and he's going to talk about some potential changes to uh, the basketball postseason at, that they're exploring at, in Keisha and uh, sending out to uh, the member schools to maybe uh, maybe take a look at how uh, how we change up uh, some of our basketball postseason. But that will be for another date, and now we'll take a look back at some of the action from the past couple weeks, and uh, we'll go ahead and start out west with Ricky. Uh, you know, what's been going out, out in western Kansas that's really jumped out to you? Well, I just wrote yesterday about South Grade Volleyball. I think they're a really good story. Um, off to a 22-0 and start. You know, they've seen, they've uh, made improvement the last couple of years, but they're just, they just got caught. They're just in a tough conference. Uh, the SPIA is a really good small school conference. I think they sent four teams to state last year, and uh, you know, this year South Gray had some good, some good experience, and with uh, Jason Hughes camp and. Allie Reed and uh, Kaylee Moyer, um, and they re- they've really just putting it all together, and they've they've been tested. I mean, I I know Coach Rick Moyer was was happy to see them get pushed a, a little bit. Um, they won a tough match at Spearville. Um, you know, they got they got some big matches ahead, still ahead of them with uh with Mead and uh, Ingles, but um, you know, I think they're they're a team to to watch out for in one AD one. I think they were ranked number second in that class, and it'll be interesting to see if they can make it to state and if they do, what what they can do once they get there. Um, you know, kind of running through uh, some of the other sports, uh, going to tennis. Um, you know, Hayden Bellamy, uh, you know, I've, I've written a lot about her, talked a lot about her. Uh, I really think she's the best player in western Kansas right now, and I think she's playing the best tennis of her career right now. Uh, had a really good showing there at this at the Smoky Valley tournament. Um, had a pretty good showing at the collegiate tournament. I think she only lost one match there. Uh, you know, with Hayden, uh, you know, last couple of years, I don't think she took. I think she was undefeated heading into state, and uh, you know, had good showings at state. Placed placed both of those years. Uh, this year, I think she's had a little bit more competition, which which is good for her. And uh, you know, I'm really. 
I'll be really intrigued to see what she can what she can do. Um, you know, it seems like she's just putting it all together. So once she gets once she once she gets to state, I'll really I'll really be excited to see what she can do. Um, Osborne Osborne has a really good double, doubles team, and Gracie Reiner and Levy Reiner. Uh, I think last I looked, they were fourteen and zero. So you know, good to see some of these Western Kansas kids, you know, have some success, and we'll see what they can do at state. Uh, you know, talking a little bit about some of the other sports, uh, Dodge City soccer. I, I know I've talked a lot about them, but uh, you know, really a powerhouse pro- program. Um, they're still unbeaten. Um, you know, they got they got a really good dynamic duo there, and Aaron Martinez and Angel Lopez. Uh, David Garcia is a really good mid, mid, midfielder for them. So uh, you know, obviously they're they're a team that I think could could really win it in 6A and you know they've they've had two undefeated two undefeated seasons before and right now right now they're really playing well so we'll see what they can do um and then cross country um you know there's really been two freshmen on the on the girls side who's really 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 had tremendous years so far uh Madison Howland from Smith Center uh she, I think she ran really well at Rimrock. Let's see what. She, let me see if I can find her time. Uh, yeah, I can't find her time, but I think it was like 1905 or something at Rimrock. Uh, and then Norton, Norton has a really good runner. And uh, sorry, just a second. Emma Collins, sorry about that. Uh, she ran in 1938, so it's been kind of fun to see some of these freshmen uh, really make their mark. Um, and yeah, I'll, I think I think that's all about all I got. I'll let you guys uh, talk about some of your areas. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of pull it back in onto the the classification thing, just to and start with the the girls golf and, and one of the moves with Mays going up to 6A immediately. Uh, your two-time reigning 5A uh, individual champion, Kinsley Jones from Mays, will, will go up to 6A. And I think that kind of, uh, you know, that, that that's an interesting quick change here. And, and you know, the 5A, uh, the 5A individual race, I think we all probably thought after last year that it, it, it would be down come down to Kinsley Jones and, and uh, Cape of Mount Carmel's Meg Tilma, uh, who finished second last year to, to Jones. Well, Tilma transfers back to Wichita Classical this year, and she's not playing uh, high school golf. She's working kind of on the on the uh, extracurricular golf and playing some some different events like that. Uh, so all of a sudden, five A is is kind of an open door uh, in that in, individual race. And I was able to go out yesterday to to Sim Park uh, here in Wichita and, and uh, saw Reagan Dusenberry from Andover, who's uh, an outstanding sophomore. Uh, she won her fourth tournament of the season yesterday at, at the Wichita North Invitational. Her second this week, and and uh, here on the day that we're taping this, uh, we'll be playing our third tournament of this week up at the Hutchinson Invitational at Cary Park. Uh, the uh, that's where the 5A state is located this year, so she'll get her first uh, first look there. Uh, Reagan had a good uh, freshman year, finished sixth in 5A, and has really kind of been one of the. the you know, there, I don't know. If there's been a dominant player because there's so many good ones here around the Wichita area. But Dusenberry has uh, has played great. She shot a 32 in a nine-hole tournament at, at Auburn Hills and and defeated Kinsley Jones uh, for the title there in the in the May South Invitational. So she's having an outstanding year. Uh, and, and then I just kind of in the three years we've been doing, in case you covered, 
it seems like in the Wichita area, some really good young freshman girls golfers are coming in each year and, and got to look at a couple of those yesterday. Newton's uh, Naomi Koontz uh, played yesterday. Didn't, didn't have one of her better tournaments yesterday, but still top 10 and, and uh, won a couple tournaments earlier this year. Uh, uh, talked to her coach, Joni Pauls, a little bit about her. And, and uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like she set the bar so high with her first couple tournaments of the year winning those and and uh, so they've kind of had to make sure it's okay not to win you know it, it's it's okay to to play play really well and and uh, uh kind of temper her expectations maybe a little bit although she is a great talent and then kind of got my first look um uh at wichita southeast freshman alina kim yesterday finished second uh, to Dusenberry, uh shot one over par uh and it's good you know so for so long in the greater wichita athletic league uh Capen and Carroll have kind of produced the top talent, and and now Wichita Southeast with with the, their young freshman here, Elena Kim, yesterday uh, showed off her talent. So she has a great short game, and and really kind of gives that city league a good, you know, kind of another fresh fresh face for for uh, and one that'll that, that I think can can compete in the in the six A at the six A state level. So uh, kind of excited to see what she can do down the road. Uh, and then you know, I mentioned Capen losing Tilma this year, but they still won the. Uh, you know, the reigning 5A champions won the North Invitational yesterday by six shots over the reigning 3-2-1A champions. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh Colgan was out here. Uh, and that's so that Wichita North Invitational has kind of been become a sneaky good preview for the postseason. You get a lot of good teams out here, a lot of good individuals. So it was, it was nice to get out there and, and see some of those players, uh, you know, ha- as we're approaching league meets next week and, and then regionals and, and state. Uh, switching over to tennis, you know, I mentioned Andover with Dusenberry and golf, and Andover's girls' tennis team is is. I wouldn't say they're doing anything unexpected. They returned every every player from their state roster last year. So far, they're undefeated uh, in tournaments this year. They won the tournament of champions at Collegiate last Saturday. Uh, their their outstanding doubles team, a seniors Anna Jitawait and Brooke, Brooke Walker, uh, won the TOC doubles title for the third straight year. Uh, Walker, who just announced she's, you know, she's a great basketball player who just announced she's going to play at the University of Utah uh, next year. Uh, there, she and Jittaway were, I think, 19 and 0 after the after the TOC. Um, so they've played great. And then sing in singles, Molly Gaddis and and uh, Mia Jaramillo have played great for Andover. So, uh, you know, two time reigning 5A champions, and and they they really are just loaded. They, they've got. Uh, I talked to Coach Steve Alexander earlier this week. They've got enough enough competition within their own roster that they may not have the same six uh, competing at, at the regional uh, tournament this year, just because they've had some younger kids that have, that have kind of risen up. So uh, it, it's kind of the problem that Collegiate, Wichita Collegiate used to have. And, and now Andover's got the, got the embarrassment of riches. And, and I would look for them to, to, uh, you know, absolutely be a, a strong contender uh, in, in class 5A and then another class 5A player, uh, Bryn Steven, the reigning 5A singles champion, she won the, the TOC singles title and, and currently sit, sits unbeaten uh, heading into the, the Wichita City League meet uh, here on Saturday. So another great uh, season there for Steven. Uh, kind of switching over to cross country. You know, I mention a lot of the same names every time we do this, but uh, you kind of have to you have to tip your cap to Wichita Trinity's Clay Shively again. He went up to uh, Minnesota last Friday. Uh, with his teammates, and they competed in the Roy Gryak Invitational, which is one of the top uh, uh, cross-country meets in the Midwest every year. Uh, Shively becomes the first Kansas uh, runner to win uh, the Gryak Invitational up there. Uh, I think it's in Minneapolis. He 
he not only won it, but set the course record with a time of 15.23.9. And that, uh, you know, obviously a little slower than what he ran at the Old Lake, the Twilight, Twilight Meet, but still, uh, w- when you look at the caliber of competition there, uh, just a heck of, of a performance from Shively, another great accomplishment in his his outstanding career and, and a big win for the for the Northern Arizona commit. Uh, Trinity's team, the boys team finished eighth there uh, as well. Uh, then kind of looking over the, the Rimrock, excuse me, the Rimrock Classic in Lawrence last week, uh, kind of the news was on the girls side. Salina Central just sent uh, two runners into the, the gold division race and, and they happened to go one, two and, and Salina Central's Caitlin Roop, who won the 5A title there last year. Uh, and then her teammate, freshman Kaylee Schultz is, is, uh, is a name to watch. I mean, I, I think, I've kind of heard rumblings about it, this kid that's been running at the middle school level up in the Salina area for the last couple of years. And, and uh, she, she has actually broken some, she, she actually broke some of Roop's middle school records and, and she went up, she went up to Rimrock in her first uh, trial on that course and, and finished second to Roop. So uh, Salina Central has this good a one, two punch in, in the state that you're going to find. And, and they had a, uh, had a big, those two had a big meet up at, uh, up in Lawrence. Uh, then for, on the boys' side, the top Kansas finisher in, in that in that gold division race was Mazes uh, Caleb Blazier, the senior, uh, finished ninth with a time of, of fifteen fifty four eight. So uh, some good individual performances up at Rimrock, and uh, uh, good tune up for a lot of those uh, who are going to return there probably in late October for the state cross country meet. Uh, I'm going to jump over to soccer now, and I got to give a shout out to the El Dorado Wildcats. Uh, it's been three and a half years since El Dorado's won a soccer match, and, and here in the past week they've they've uh, won two. They will go back to back. Uh, Javen Hughes had it scored on a penalty kick for them uh, to get them a two to one overtime victory over the Wichita Defenders uh, on Monday, and that snapped a 57 match losing streak for El Dorado. And then they came back the next day and, and edged El Dorado one to nothing, or edged Mulvane one to nothing. So uh, it's been a pretty tough three plus years for that program, but. Uh, uh, after losing 57 straight, El Dorado goes back to back this week. So a big accompl- accomplishment for them. And and kind of flipping the flipping the script to the the team. One of the teams I always mention is you got to is reigning 5A champion May South. Uh, they're nine and zero. Have won 30 matches in a row. And and uh, here on this night or this day that we're taping it, they'll they'll try to make it 31. They host Salina South uh, in a match and and just. Uh, having another outstanding season. I don't think it's anything unexpected after what they brought back last year uh, from that state championship team. Uh, volleyball, staying on the May South theme, they, they took their first loss of the season last weekend to Spring Hill uh, in the finals of the Seaman Invitational, but they still sit 18-1 and one and, and were number three in the latest 5A rankings. Uh, right behind them is Andover Central, uh, which won the Newton Invitational last weekend without dropping a set. Uh, the, the Jaguars have won 15 straight matches uh, since a loss to Clearwater, and, and they're now 24-1. and one. So really good 5A competition um, down here in the Wichita area uh, with those two squads. Um, and then at 2A, there's just kind of a depth in, in the south-central Kansas area with, with Hillsboro, uh, Sedgwick. Uh, you've got Inman at uh, – Hillsboro and Sedgwick 1-2 in Class 2A, and then Inman at number four and – and uh, Inman happened to, to give Sedgwick its first loss of the season this week in three sets. So Sedgwick now 27-1. and one. Uh, Inman coming back after really getting getting beat up in the first game of that match. They come back and win the final two sets to, to give Sedgwick its first loss of the season. Uh, and then Hillsboro sitting at 20-3, and, three and and they've won 11 straight. So uh, 
they and including their last nine in, in straight sets. So uh, Hillsboro looking like a formidable team uh, down here in the Wichita area again this season. Yeah, and from my area, uh, I'll start with golf. And, and Scott was talking about, uh, you know, the classification changes, Mays moving on up. And uh, I guess uh, the the top 6A competitors – uh, must have saw that and took notice pretty quick. Saw uh, Kinsley Jones with their 65 at the uh, Bueller Invitational last week, and they're like, uh-oh. Uh, they decided to, to get moving on it because at the Lawrence Invitational uh, yesterday at Eagle Bend, uh, those scores started to drop a bit. They started to get pretty low. Uh, Hadley Neese from Blue Valley hit a 66 uh ella slicker we talked about her lucky number 71 but that's not good enough anymore so she hit a 67 and then uh savannah cagle a sophomore from olathe west she actually did get a 71 which i think set the olathe west uh school record uh so uh, a lot of really really good scores there and i know you know even with that olathe northwest and johnny mission east uh, one stroke uh, apart, Olathe Northwest gets the nudge there, but only for a second. Uh, Brent can talk about this in a bit. Manhattan's golf team, uh, pretty good. They end up getting the win there with a, a 308 team score, while Olathe Northwest is at 311 and Shawnee Mission East is at 312. So, uh, pretty big day for for golf uh, yesterday, and and definitely seeing you know the addition of Mays and of Kinsley Jones to that pack should be very interesting as we're getting into that postseason uh just kind of seeing how the iron sharpens iron with with these top golfers um looking uh over at at tennis uh it's always a weird like slow start of some some uh you know some uh, tournaments that have maybe some of the other players before you get past labor day and then they go full speed ahead and uh you know you get uh crazy stories like the one i had at the the casey invitational uh which was uh blue valley west uh senior sarah yan uh, had actually not played uh high school tennis until this year and that was actually i think she had a doubles match and like a duel the week before uh but her first singles competition is in this kc invitational with some of the best players in not just the 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 metro but uh some 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 top ones from uh, across the state as well uh they had uh you know great competition when you look at the last two years uh the 6a state champion made it to the the finals uh of this event uh jillian harkin two years ago uh kinley van pelt last year uh van pelt ends up not competing in this one she hasn't competed so far this year uh with a, a an injury and uh, if you guys remember she missed her freshman year from an injury as well and uh i checked the uh sunflower league uh, bracket this morning she wasn't uh, put into that one so uh, it's looking like we might have a wide open uh, competition for that 6a single state champion this year uh, and and you know Sarah Ann threw her hat in the ring pretty quickly because uh, her first competition she just rolls on through uh, ends up winning that Casey Invitational uh, singles uh, championship and you know she had to go through some some tough competition uh to to get there and uh you know end up facing a, a talented freshman from uh, my old stomping grounds from from liberty in the in the finals uh but she's just getting going and i i think in the wichita uh collegiate uh tournament of champions 
she took second place there, so she got her first loss, and uh, we'll see if she bounces back from that. But uh, uh, a Blue Valley West team that has uh, some good doubles teams, uh, good number two singles, uh, they have the chance to kind of push their way up into that team conversation uh, for the first time in a while. So should be very interesting to, to see how that plays out. And then uh, it, for number two, uh, or for, for doubles, it'll end up being one that we kind of knew, but is also still kind of those first experiences of, of, of being that number one team, which is Shoddy Mission East duo, uh, Abby Long and Katie Schmidt. They're going into their senior year with uh, an amazing resume, but it's always second place and against their own teammates, uh, Steck Schulte and, and, and Langford that now that they're graduated, uh, Long and Schmidt uh, have stepped in and haven't missed a beat. Uh, they end up winning the, the doubles title there. And uh, other than one loss uh, against a top team from uh, St. Joseph's Academy over on the Missouri side, uh, these two have gone undefeated uh, as we kind of expected and uh, you know are the benchmark for 6a double so it'll be uh, very interesting to 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 see them and they're just excited going into this uh, league tournament today they've not won a league title yet like they're you know probably the front runner to win that 6a title but they're just excited to to get that league title and then uh, obviously each step is you get that regional title get that state title and and here is my interview with Abby Long and Katie Schmidt after they won the doubles title at the KC Invitational. We're going to start with today and then we'll probably go back to just what's happened so far uh, this season. But uh, how'd you guys feel about your performance and how to feel to come in and get the victory honestly it was great we both played exactly how we wanted to um not super happy with how our first one went but obviously it doesn't really matter and we got back and i wouldn't want to play with anybody else but abigail so it's been great so yeah it's been super fun just loved it all right uh I don't know what happened at the end. Did you guys just win super fast in the final match, or did one of them get injured? Uh, she hurt her foot, so okay. withdrew because of injury. But uh, I think we were up 2-0 at the time, so hopefully it would have gone our way. Yeah. <laughs> With the competition you guys have faced uh, so far in the year, have I mean, I know you've had three years of facing elite competition and practice every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you guys top doubles team and you're going out and still facing obviously top competition from Kansas and, and surrounding states. Uh, has there been a match that's pushed you so far this year? It's been harder this year because we've always played the two seeds. So there's a lot of tournaments where they bracket it off into two separate brackets and we're playing all the two seeds from other schools. Um, but this year we've been obviously the one seed now that Grant and Bryson are gone and we've been playing the one seed. So we had a tough match against uh, St. Joe Academy down in St. Louis a couple days ago. Um, so I'd say that was probably our most challenging so far. What has been the you know kind of conversations on, around what the varsity lineup's going to look like? You guys, it was pretty obvious you'd be locked in as the number one doubles team, uh, but with 
two other varsity returners and a very uh, a lot of depth on this team. What, what does it look like so far for you guys as you're figuring out those other spots? Um, yeah, no, honestly, it was kind of up in the air before we started playing, but um, we have Macy and Isha who are going to play singles, we think. Um, just because they can show um, when they're playing matches and they're really good. And then we have Katie Murphy and Ellie McDermott, but Ellie got injured. She hurt her foot the other day, so she right now is not playing, but hopefully she can get better. Um, but right now Anya is taking her spot. So that's, so that's what we got so far. Hopefully, you know, Ellie can get better and we'll be on the team. But that's what we probably Yeah, the nice happen. thing about having a deep team is like when that happens we still have someone who's you know really good yeah. and can fill in and Anya's doing a great job and they're still in the finals right now so hopefully they'll pull out that win yeah I know in talking with Greta and Bryson last year uh just any idea of did you guys think of going singles was just kind of wasn't laughed off but it was like there was no thought of that did you guys have any conversations about the possibility of going singles there's always no. been you're coming back no. doubles no, no. So personally, I'm not the best singles player out there. I'm one of the lower ones on our, of this. I'm actually the lowest of the six of us. But um, so I know for me personally, there was no way I was going to play singles or that Gibbs would let me play singles. So. Well, yeah. And, you know, losing like almost every single tournament to Graham Bryson, we knew that being the one this year that we really wanted to get back what we lost. And yeah, no, I never had a thought of playing singles. Doubles is so much more fun in high school. And yeah, we've been friends for four years and like even longer than that. And it's just been so much fun. So no thought at all to me, at least. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, what will it mean to you guys to be able to finish off and not have Greta and Brett in the way and be able to, to get that state title to finish off your high school career? I mean, there's definitely a little bit more pressure on us, but I think we're super excited and we yeah. like that pressure. We and, um, you know, hopefully... Yeah, we want the recognition that we get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. we know that like, Greta and Bryson aren't the face of East Tennis anymore. It's sort of like been shifted to more of us, but um, we're hoping we can back that up with a state title. Yeah. What's the next tournament, uh, dual, maybe a duel? What's the next one that you guys have kind of circled on the calendar and are excited for the competition you're going to um, face? On Thursday, we're playing St. Teresa's actually here, so that'll be fun. We're playing um, the team that we actually just played in the quarterfinals. Again, it'll be our fourth time playing this week. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot, but, yeah. I know so personally I'm excited for um, league next week because yeah, we've never fun. won – a league title before yeah like we've always been second, second. Um, um so i'm excited for that on thursday and to see how that's different yeah. than it normally is the season's so short though like we're already almost done and it's mm -hmm. our last one so it's kind of sentimental but yeah trying to make the most of what we have with having multiple state runner-ups as a doubles team but also having the team titles already is league almost like at least in the short term kind of bigger because you did, weren't able to get that in previous years or is it still just states always number one i mean it's, oh. it's states always number one yeah. like you get your name on the you get your name on the backboard at east and it's like it's a big deal so i think that's definitely our main goal for the end of the season yeah i agree all right awesome thanks for talking with me Congrats thank you great performances so far thank you. thanks, thanks. One more, just a quick shout out, uh, going down for, to 4-1A is a, 
or four A's, uh, Independence Junior Ava Morris. Uh, she started the season nineteen and three. Uh, at one point, she won three tournaments between August twenty sixth and September seventh, uh, where she just dropped four games across eleven matches. Uh, and so far this year, her only losses have been against five A competitors. So uh, she's leading an Independence team that uh, we know from last year was was pretty darn good, and uh, expect them to be in that same position competing for a team title this year. So. Those are my uh, tennis standouts. And then uh, looking over at uh, boys soccer, uh, a lot of good ones. One, uh, you know, being a Baldwin team that, uh, you know, made it to the the final last year. Uh, and this year they come back and you think, okay, they've, they need to replace a lot of really talented seniors off that squad. They're 10 and one to start the year. Uh, you have, uh, just, uh, Cooper Carr, uh, just taken over where his, his brother left off after graduating and has, has been pretty amazing in the, the early going. And, uh, when you add in, uh, I know Brent will end up talking about, uh, Casey Christian getting the win over Bishop Miege. Uh, that's a really stacked, uh, East bracket and four one, a boys soccer, uh, so that one should be uh, very exciting. And then uh, another one, you know, I could go down the list of the top teams in my area of, you know, the Mill Valleys, they're 6-1 and one this year. Uh, we got Sumner Academy, they're rolling through the Meadowlark like they, they normally do, they're 7-2. and two. Uh, we, A lot of top teams uh, that you would expect. Uh, I did a story about Blue Valley West earlier in the year. Uh, Blue Valley Southwest in 5A, 7-1-1 one one, uh, right now. Uh, only loss was against Blue Valley North and then one against Rockers. Uh, uh, so you, you have uh, a lot of good teams, but the one that probably is the little bit of a standout is Olathe East, 7-1-0 uh, and so far this year. Their only loss was uh, against Olathe West uh, back on September 12th. And uh, just a, a team that's really stepped up, looks really good this year, and then uh, they're led by Aiden Bomar, uh, who, if you go to his uh, Twitter account, it's it feels like every day he, he he retweets the final score and it says, had two more goals tonight. And that's the start of at least two tweets I'm seeing right now. And it's probably a handful more because he's just been on a tear early on this season. Uh, so look for Olathe East to, to, to be a team that gets themselves uh, in the thick of the uh, 6A race this year. Um, looking over at, uh, volleyball, that one, uh, probably the conversation begins and ends, uh, Blue Valley North right now, they're 23 and O, uh, I mean, and this is considering they're facing, uh, top EKL teams, you know, night in and night out, a uh, lot of big wins against, uh, Sunflower League teams as well. Uh, you look at that team and, and they've just been rolling and they keep rolling. And, uh, you know, I went out and, and, uh, watched them go up against, uh, Aquinas and St. James and the, the first one against, uh, St. James, they, they, uh, amazingly, uh, finished that one in, in such a strong fashion. Uh, and you're, you're thinking this is another, like potentially like on the edge of a nationally ranked team. And they were able to, 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 to roll through that one. Uh, and then against Aquinas to, to watch them through what was a 
back and forth, you know, uh, they split the first two sets. And then when they got to the third, I think it hit 11-11. And I, I remember somebody asked me, they were like, do these go uh, to 15 or to 25? And then, you know, it, you couldn't get the answer from them being two points up after 15 because it didn't happen uh, until they got to about 22-20, I think. Uh, was the first time there was a two-point advantage uh, in that third set. But uh, Blue Valley North drove it home and, and you know, with uh, players like uh, Logan Parks and Janelle Green and uh, you, you start going down the list, uh, Aubrey Shaw, like, there is, uh, you know, top to bottom, uh, there is not a, a weakness on the team. And it was actually a funny story. There was uh, uh, this older gentleman who was sitting next to me while I was taking photos and he uh, made a comment uh, after uh, – Jenny McClure uh, missed uh, one uh, dig, I think, or I don't know. He he felt like she had made a handful of mistakes in a row, and he set her number. And you know, she, you know, that's the weak link on the team. And I turned to him like, uh, she's an all state volleyball player. I don't I don't know if she's the weak link on this team. And immediately the next play, she gets a kill uh, and gets Blue Valley North rolling. And I just kind of turned and looked at him. And I think the guy next to him was kind of nudging him, uh, joking about it, but there is no weak link on that Blue Valley North team. So, uh, they've keep rolling. And as you're watching them, we're getting close to the end of the year. Uh, it'd be pretty crazy to go through the schedule they have and be able to finish with an undefeated record in the regular season, but it's, it's looking more and more possible every day. Uh, a couple other teams that shout out Olathe West 20 and five this year, uh, uh Olathe Northwest, uh, 16 and five, uh, as you're moving down, uh, Spring Hill in five, a 17 and four, uh, their only losses are Lansing, Olathe West, Blue Valley Southwest and, and Washburn Rural. So, uh, some, some top, uh, six, eight teams and obviously Lansing. So, uh, pretty good, uh, season so far. And then Baldwin, uh, is, is 16 and four. Uh, with just losses to to Seaman, Eudora, Gardner, Edgerton, and Emporia, so uh, those are a few of the, the volleyball teams that have uh, had uh, really good showings here, uh, and that's the some of the top standouts uh, from my area right now. All right, good stuff over in the Casey area, and yeah, I'll dip a little bit over in the Casey area. I, I cover Casey Christian via one of the leagues I do, so they're. They're really an East school, but uh, guilty by association to fall under my under my reign. But you know they they opened some eyes the other night uh, in boys soccer when they beat uh, Bishop Miege. You know Miege won seven straight Class Four through One A state championships, and and Casey Christian goes out and beats them three nothing. And I I talked to Coach Nate Wright of the Panthers about the game uh, the other night and did a little story that's up on the Casey Covered website and. You know, talked about how big that was for his program, and he's he was he was definitely excited, but there was some tempered to it. He said, "Now I've tried to, you know, get reality with my boys that yes, we we beat Bishop Miege and we did that, but they played about seventy percent of the game with only ten players. A red card on the Bishop Miege goalie early in the first half." Uh, put them down, down to ten players for the rest of the game, and and uh, you know Nate said, you know when we if we see him again, and I'm sure we hope to see him again because that's who the the 4A championship runs through. You know they're going to be a much different team the next time we see them, and and now they'll probably have a little bit of uh, you know fire in their belly to uh, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Now Casey Christian was up one nothing when that red card did happen, so they were already 
leading the game. And, and uh, Coach Wright said that even after Miege got down to 10, they really dominated a lot of the action for a while. He just had a great night from his, his goalkeeper, Hunter Rush, uh, who is, is, was their goalkeeper last year, started this year backing up Micah Knernshield. But Micah broke his jaw in a game against uh, Bishop Ward a couple weeks ago. Um, got stepped on the stepped on his face and and broke his jaw. He's out for the rest of the year. So Hunter's back in goal and and doing a great job. And Casey Christian having a great season so far. They're eight zero and one. They opened the season with a tie against Elyria Christian and have won every game since. Uh, they beat Ward one nothing in overtime. That's Ward's only loss. So Ward having a good season. And then Casey Piper also having a very nice season this this year. Uh, they only have one loss at this moment and. Uh, and so they're they're doing well and, and doing a good job in the United Kansas Conference so far. They're undefeated in the, in that league and and uh, on on top of the league. And then Washburn Rural doing Washburn Rural things. Uh, you know they've already wrapped up the Centennial League title. I can't remember how many it is in a row, but it a, a lot maybe not in a lot in a row because Manhattan had a pretty good team a few years ago that made it all the way to the state championship game, but. Uh, Washburn Rural undefeated this year, 8-0 overall. Uh, they'll find out a little bit about themselves this weekend. They go up to the Great River Classic up in Iowa, which is always a good test for them. And uh, and they'll they'll put that undefeated record on the line there. But uh, some great win by Casey Christian. Isaiah Morris, their standout, uh, standout forward, got two more goals in that game. That gives him 99 for his career, which uh, according to the records on the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame website, that's two away from becoming the all-time leader in Kansas. Uh, 101 is the current leader, and that was Andrick McGill from McPherson from 2013 to 2016. Uh, Morris also closing in on career points record. He's only 11 shy of the 231 set by Maranatha's John Lemon from 2000 to 2003. So Isaiah Morris and Casey Christian, a big week and a big season so far, and they look like they're a legitimate title contender this year. You know, they, they lost in the quarterfinals last year to Miege 2-1. Uh, two years ago, they lost in the in the regional play to Miege 2-1. Miege knocked them out in 2021 as well. So uh, for them to go out and get that victory is a huge confidence boost for them if they happen to face Miege again. Uh, so for that's some soccer roundup. Turn it across country and, you know, the, the – the uh, Rimrock Invitational always brings out some great performances, and usually it's by non-Kansans. We we typically see a lot of a lot of non-Kansans dominate that race, but this year Kansans held their own. Uh, you know, Matt, uh, Scott talked about Caitlin Roop. Well, the other three divisions were also won by Kansas runners this year. Siemens Ryan Miller won the Crimson Division, uh, winning that race in 1855, beating. Uh, Smith Center freshman Madison Howland, who Ricky talked about earlier, by 11 seconds to win that race. Uh, you know, Miller was the state leader going into the weekend, but Roop took it over with a 17:33 in uh, in her race that that up, up at Rimrock, which was about eight seconds faster than what Miller had run earlier in the year at the Joe Schrag Invitational. And then down in the blue division, uh, Northern Heights freshman Ellie McCrory continues her amazing, amazing season. Uh, gets her fourth win in as many races. Runs an 18:47, which is a career best by two seconds, a little bit faster than what she ran at Wamigo. And Northern Heights will go from 2A to 1A. So she drops down, and, and she's easily the class leader in Class 1A. Was the class?
class leader in class 2A as well, but she's down in class 1A, and her her best this season is a minute more faster than anybody else in class 1A this year. So Ellie McCrory from Northern Heights, uh, well on her way to just a, a tremendous season and, and perhaps a tremendous career uh, when you look at what uh, what she's where she's starting out at as a freshman. Uh, some other some other really good uh, performances. Lorna Ray. Pierce from Junction City took third behind Roop and Kaylee Schultz in the in the gold division at at, uh, at Rimrock, and she's had a really good season. She's beaten she's beaten Siemens uh, Ryan Miller a couple times this year, and, and that uh, that league race should be a good one with Lorna Ray and, and Washington Rurals Peyton Fink. Uh, they'll be two of the top runners. Shawnee Heights Jackson Esquibel won the boys Crimson Division title at Rimrock. Uh, Escobel's got three wins already this season and having an outstanding year. He was the 3,200 winner in Class 5A state track last year. Uh, Kansas City Christian's Andrew, Andrew Shoemaker finished second in the blue division at Rimrock for the boys uh, to Wichita Collegiate's Will Meyer. So um, he, he's had a good year. He'll be one of the top top runners in Class 2A. Um, also in Class 2A, uh, Will Bunsey, Peyton Wirtz, uh, she's – She's finished runner-up the past two years to Chesney Peterson in Class 2A, and, and she hadn't run so far this year, battling a little something to get back, but she made her season, season debut last week at the Chargers home meet, and she went out and, and went, it, went in by more than two minutes. So she's off to a, a good start and, and somebody that can definitely uh, challenge for the Class 2A title this year, especially with Northern Heights dropping down. That takes a that takes uh, McCrory out of the mix. Although Howland from looks from Smith Center looks like she'll definitely be something that Wirtz will have have to contend with. Uh, so some good good races there. And then uh, give a shout out to Eva Cortez from Holton. You know, she uh, she battled uh, through health inter- health issues all last year. Really never ran well. This year she's she's running great. She's won two races so far uh, and became Holton's first placer in the top ten ever at the Rimrock Invitational, taking seventh in in her division race. So. Uh, Eva Cortez off to a nice uh, a nice year for for um, Holton. Uh, looking at golf, Matt touched on Manhattan winning that tournament the other day, and that came after they just absolutely went out and dominated the Centennial League meet uh, earlier this week on Monday down in Emporia. Uh, they went out and shot a 317, which was a little lower than what they shot uh, what they shot over in Lawrence, and actually lower than what they shot earlier this year. I think they got down in the 290s, which uh, Coach Paige McCarthy said is the lowest score she can ever remember uh, since she's been there. And looking back in their record, some 40 years, it's the lowest score Manhattan girls team has ever shot. Well, they go one, two, three, four at the league meet, uh, so that's pretty dominating down there. Uh, freshman Maddie Myers shoots uh, a 77 to beat Catball, her teammate, by two shots, uh, and then they had an 80 from Lily Barr and an 80. Uh, one from Ren Burton to go one, two, three, four at that meet, and uh, Manhattan really looking like a team capable of challenging Olathe Northwest and Shawnee Mission East for that Class 6A title this year. They've they've seen each other a few times this year, and each of them have taken their turn beating the other one, and so that's going to be a really good race to look forward to in Class 6A. Uh, Seaman wins at second straight United Kansas Conference meet. Uh, they're in the year for the second league second in the league for the second year, and they've, they've now won it two in a row. J.C. Zimmerman uh, takes the individual title, shoots a 79 to beat Topeka West, Alex Baxter by two shots for the title, and uh, Seaman puts five in the top seven to completely run away with that one. Um, Wamigo, uh, Addison Douglas, um, you know, Wamigo never shies away from competition. They went down to 
uh, the Bishop Carroll Invitational at Rolling uh, Rolling Hills down in Wichita, and Addison Douglas shoots a 75 to tie uh, Cape and Freshman Zamina Serenina Serenana for the low score of the tournament. Uh, and uh, so, you know, Scott talked about Capen being, a, you know, its usual powerhouse. And, and there's another freshman that, from his area that uh, has gone out and done some good things because Addison Douglas, your defending 4A state champion, uh, you know, she goes out and shoots a 75 and, and ties for the low score down there. And, and while Migo ended up, I think, boy, took fifth. Um, and, and finished behind Winfield down at that tournament. And so, you know, Winfield and Wamigo have battled for the 4A state title. I think uh, I think those two will be right in the hunt this year, along with Hayden, um, which has had a great season. Uh, those those will be some of your top contenders in 4A. And then Silver Lake, uh, Clara Kleenig, a, uh, a foreign exchange student, has come in and really been a force for Silver Lake in Class 3-2-1A this year. Uh, she shot a 74 to win the Jefferson West Invitational. That's already five tournaments she's won this year. So you'll be seeing a feature story on her by me uh, here in the probably in the next week or so. Uh, she'll probably go out and win a couple more tournaments before I get to her, and it'll just make for an even better story. But uh, speaking of foreign exchange students, I, I wrote this week also about uh, Jette Glesnop from Germany, who is uh, playing tennis for Shawnee Heights this year. And she um, she captured the, the six sit, Topeka City Championship this year, um, goes out and wins that. And she's had a great season coming over from Germany. And I'm talking to her, I said, you know, what's been the big difference? And she said, well, I'm playing on hard courts for the first time. She had always played on clay uh, over in Germany. And so she's making that, a, that adjustment to, uh, to playing on hard courts. And said she really likes it. You know, the ball's faster, but she really has enjoyed it. And she went out and, and cruised to the uh, Topeka City Championship on Monday, um, which was kind of held over from last week. It started last week, and then lightning and rain came in. And, uh, and then uh, they had to resume it on Monday. She wins 6-4, 6-1 over Washington World, Carolina, Chesnoy, Chedzoy for the title there. Uh, also at the city tournament, the doubles team of Catherine Crummins and Molly Gorman from Seaman, they kind of flipped the script on Hayden's Lauren Sandstrom and um, Emily Sheets. Uh, last year, Sandstrom and Sheets beat them in a tiebreaker in the uh, in the city championship finals. And this year, uh, it, Seaman's, uh, Crummins, and Gorman's returned the favor, and they take the tiebreaker to win the city doubles title. That's only the third loss of the year for Sheets and Sandstrom from Hayden, uh, the defending champion 4A doubles team. Looking strong again. I won't be surprised if they end up challenging for the for the title there. And then also on, on tennis, uh, you know, a shout out to Ellsworth. Uh, they've had just a great season. Uh, in 23 years, uh, Eric Anderson's been coaching there. He said they've never had a team that's had this much success. And but what they've done is they've gone out and won every single tournament, not just as a team, not just on the varsity level, but the JV level. So they've gone out and had just a great season with a really young team. They really don't have a senior in their lineup. Uh, freshman Carly ha ha Hayes, Haas, is led the way with a 17 and three overall record. Uh, it's kind of split in time between singles and doubles. And it looks like they have a lot of ch interchangeable parts in their team. Uh, you know, girls that play singles also have, have mixed in and play some doubles. And so uh, Ellsworth having a very, very strong year, uh, maybe as a team that uh, with the depth that they have can make a, make a run at, uh, at, at uh, you know, the class 3A, uh, top three finish. Obviously, collegiate is, is the standard there, uh, the team that you always have to look to to beat. But Ellsworth and Marysville are two teams that will 
be keep worth keeping an eye on in uh, in three two one a this year. Marysville uh, has had a, had a great season so far. Uh, Shea Kramer. Um, has 16-4 this year. She just got beat in the finals at Smoky Valley um, on Tuesday by Hayden Bellamy of Colby, but her other losses are to Elisa Freeze from Chapman, who was runner-up in 4A last year and who's undefeated this year, uh, Janae Montoya from Salina Central, who's one of the top singles players in Class 5A, and then the Chedzoy girl from Washburn Rural, uh, who's, who's a, a transfer into Rural this year and, and somebody that maybe can, can do some things in Class 6A. And so uh, those are some tennis standouts. Let's go back to some volleyball standouts. And we've had some good, uh, good volleyball performances um, you know, we had 700 wins from, from Jessica Koch a few, few weeks ago. I know Scott had Gina Clark from Garden Plain got her 700th, and, and, and Mac talked about Coach Matt Allen from uh, Blue Valley North also getting his 700th uh, this season. So we've had a couple coaches hit some milestones there uh, with some 700, 700 wins. And looking at some of my tournament champions from the past week, Valley Heights won the Axtell Invitational uh, this past week, uh, Perry LeCompton took the title at West Franklin, um, and then some other kids hitting some milestones. We got Campbell Stark from Osage City getting her thousandth career kill. Um, Miley Brown from uh, from Beloit got her thousandth kill earlier this year, and then she got her thousandth dig uh, this past week as well. Um, and then another one that had a great uh, Southeast Celine captured the title at the Lions Invitational and in the process they beat Little River which is defending Class 1A Division 1 state champion uh, handing Little River just their second loss of the season so Southeast Celine uh, goes out and, and wins that tournament and they're they're a strong team uh, you know they're in they're in the same league as Beloit and those two teams have been have been very good and Southeast Saline got got themselves a tournament title and Emporia is having a nice season they're 17 and one after sweeping Baldwin and Tonganoxy and uh, so Emporia off to a, a really good uh, a really good start this year so those are some of my uh, other standouts from the uh, from the area up up here and then you know looking at football um, I had a great game of the week last week uh, I got Washburn Rural against Manhattan in the Centennial League uh, Manhattan comes in with 16 straight victories and defending class 6a state champion and, and last year was a heck of a game uh, Manhattan beats Rural by three points in a game that really could have gone either way and Manhattan just kind of made a play made a few plays especially defensively late in that game to, to get that W and it kind of flipped this year. It was Washburn Rural coming up with the big plays defensively. Uh, Wilson Miller, a kid who had played soccer up until this year and decided this year uh, he's going to go out for football instead of soccer and, and he comes out and is a, is a cornerback for him and he gets a pick six that leads to a touchdown then he gets another interception that sets up a touchdown for Washburn Rural and then King Leonard adds an interception that sets up another touchdown, and Washburn Rural takes a 35-28 win. That it got scary on the final play of the game after after Manhattan had scored on a 60-yard screen pass earlier in the game. Uh, they hit another screen, and the and you just see this Manhattan kid uh, Charles Morgan blazing towards the sideline, steaming like he's going to get to the pylon. But at inside the 10, at about the eight, a uh, rural kid. He has the right angle, tracks him down, knocks him out of bounds. Time's expired, ball game, and Rural gets the upset. So Washburn Rural 4-0 this year. Um, so they're they're off to a great start this year. Uh, that was a great game last week. Uh, talk about Lyndon Tanner's heckle. Uh, second straight game, he's accounted for eight touchdowns in a game uh, this past week. Uh, 58-30, Lyndon beats, beats um, 
Care Paravel last week after beating Frankfurt the week before. Heckel runs for eight touchdowns in one of the games, and then I think this past week uh, or threw for seven and ran for uh, threw for threw for one, ran for seven against Frankfurt last week. Just runs for eight and, and over 300 yards rushing. You know, he was somebody we thought would be an impact player for for uh, Inman or for. Linden this year transferring in from Inman after being a three-sport standout down there, a state champion in, a, in multiple events at track, a great basketball player, and, and helped Inman to two straight Class 1A state championship football games. He's got Linden rolling. They've got a good test this week with Madison undefeated. Uh, so Madison versus Linden, both 4-0 this week. Uh, the Acacia Covered game of the week this week will be Southeast Saline against Clay Center. Both of them are are undefeated. Both of them are ranked in their respective class, Clay Center in Class 3A, Southeast Saline in Class 2A, both ranked number five in their division. So that'll be a game I'll be going out to on this Friday and, and get to see Clay Center's new field. Um, they got that new turf stadium over there. And it's supposed to be just something to behold. So I'm excited to go out to to see that game. Uh, and then uh, to, back to Washburn Rural, they, they, it doesn't get any easier from this week. They jump right back into it with Junction City, which is 3-1. and one. Um, and Rural hasn't beaten Junction City in a while. It's been uh, it's been several years since uh, since they got them. 2018 was the last time Rural got a, got a win over Junction City, and so uh, you know that that'll be a tough test. And then also this week you got the War on 24, Silver Lake Rossville, uh, Silver Lake three and one. They've come back from 14 points down each of the last two weeks to beat St. Mary's and Rock Creek, and and uh, Rossville coming off a of 70. Nothing win over over Atchison County this week, and that that game rivalry game just throw the records out. That'll be a great one. Another good one in my area this week: Jackson Heights and Centralia, both four and zero going into this Friday's game, and that should be a that should be a, a really good game as well. So those are some of the uh, some of the football highlights from my area, guys. Did you have any football you wanted to touch on before we wrap this baby up? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh... You know, starting with Shylin, uh, you know, I think it's it's fair to say that they're that they're the favorite now in, in six man. Uh, you know, obviously everybody was talking about Cunningham and Ashland heading into the season. Uh, Shaylin got a huge win over Ashland a couple weeks ago, and then a, a good win over Northern Valley. Just dominated that that game, won in fifty four to six. You know they they really got some standout players in uh, in Logan McCarty. Uh, he's up to 855 passing yards, 17 combined touchdowns. Uh, Pablo Bermudez has been a really good weapon for them. Brady Ketzner is a really good defensive back. Uh, you know and, and you know Shylands had success. Uh, you know even before Six Man was officially sanctioned by Keisha, they were the Wild West West Bowl uh, champs. Uh, right before it got sanctioned, and you know that 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 winning that was really big for the, for their school. You know they haven't had a ton of success in athletics. Um, it's been fun to see the community really embrace uh, six man football and, and embrace what uh, Shylin's been able to do. A uh, couple other stories. Um, you know, Liberal's been a nice story. Uh, they're out to a four and zero start for the first time since two thousand three. Uh, Brian Luters is in his second season as coach there. Uh, really did a good job, and I think his only season as head coach at Mead, um, you know, led them to uh, to an eight-man eight Division One title in 2021. Uh, Liberals got a huge, huge game against Garden City uh, this week, and uh, you know, just briefly touching Smith's minute center got a big win over Wabansi. Um I still think they're a contender in, in 1A. Luke Franklin's had a big year on the ground for them. 
Uh, Wichita County, I think, is still still be, the team to beat in eight-man Division One. Though, though something to keep an eye on is I noticed uh, Chris Hermosillo, he got hurt in the game. I saw him against Hoxie a couple weeks ago, and he did not play last week. So his so we'll have to see his availability. I mean, that would be a big loss for them if he if he can't come back. And then uh, Atwood Rollins County, uh, you know, four and zero, really dominated Hill City last week, fifty four to six. Norton, I saw them last week, a really good defensive effort, and their quarterback Eli Jones is, is really really playing well. And then uh, lastly, K- uh, Kinsley, uh, they've been a really cool story as well. Um, dominated that game against South Barber, they're four and zero, and I I really think they they can continue to make some noise in uh, in uh, eight man division two. Uh, looking at my area with uh, uh, I do want to make sure Brent said game of the week uh, it might have been the most exciting technically Keisha covered game of the week uh, was the one I was out at Gardner Anderson and Mill Valley although it was not the game we were expecting it became a blowout very fast uh, Gardner Anderson uh, showed that uh, they are uh, a just the team uh, in the state. Uh, we'll see if anybody else can jump in. They have to face Olathe North this week to to uh, run it back and prove it. But man, that that game got going fast. And uh, you know, I mentioned it last week where we were talking about this idea of Gardner Edgerton just kind of uh, bruising with the rushing attack and you know the potential for a low scoring game. And I said we got to watch out because uh, from what I see for the first three weeks. They just look like they're throwing it a bunch, and that's what they did. They came out, and Braven Powell uh, just finds uh, Randy Singleton on the first drive uh, for this uh, just long uh, 40-plus yard uh, touchdown reception. Uh, they come back the, the the next drive, and Mill Valley tries to put a safety over him to, to stop him from trying to go deep. They make the adjustment uh, Powell does to, to get the ball short to Singleton. He breaks a tackle and then breaks two two at like maybe the three-yard line, got through them to dive in for his second touchdown. Uh, and then uh, they, they got a few more scores uh, before uh, they go back to Singleton, and they just throw it to him in the flat, and he just outruns everybody on that Mill Valley defense. Uh, and so uh, just from that, the three touchdown first half performance from, from Andy Singleton, uh, Powell gets his own rushing touchdown. Uh, they, they get a, another one, uh, from uh, another one of their backs. Uh, they, that offense is a, they can run. And at any point they still have Dawson Kindler, you know, guy who ran for, uh, 1700 yards and like 30 touchdowns last year. Uh, they have him just playing linebacker, uh, on a defense that, uh, is old. Their, their starting defense, uh, pretty much the mill Valley field goal, uh, in, in this one, uh, is the only one that was against the starters when they put the backups in, uh, they've had a couple, uh, garbage time touchdowns against them. One for mill Valley, uh, one, uh, back in week one, I think, or, uh, week two, maybe, uh, they are legit on both sides of the ball. Uh, this is a, a very talented team. And at any point, if they want to bring Dawson Kendler back there to start running people over, uh, 
head coach Jesse Owens assures me he knows the offense like the back of his hand. It will not be a problem to, to bring him on over there. That's a pretty scary team when you have that type of rusher who's just a uh, break glass in case of emergency option. Uh, so very fun to, to watch. And again, uh, should be a good test against the Olathe North team that uh, their defense hasn't looked quite as polished as what I've seen from Gardner Edgerton, but they've been putting up 40, 50, 60 points a game uh, so far uh, this season. So that Olathe North team, hopefully, if they, if they can get it going, should be able to keep up. That should be a barn burner uh, this Friday. Uh, looking at a, a few of the other uh, teams, uh, I mean, just looking at Mill Valley, uh, they, you know, have this loss, and they, it, this is uh, the one of the uh, worst losses uh, under uh, Joel Appleby. I mean, you have to go back to uh, – 2017 Blue Valley beat them 49 to nine, uh, you know, to to find a a, a bigger loss uh, than this 49 to, to 10 loss to Gardner Edgerton, and uh, the only one bigger is a 67 21 defeat uh, against Bishop Miege in 2010, which was Appleby's first season leading the Jaguars. So that's a big thing for them to overcome. They're still ranked number one in 5A in almost every uh, ranking uh, that I've seen. Uh, they're going to need to prove it, and it, it doesn't just, you know, oh, okay, it's not G this week. Now it's just an easy win. Latha South is coming in uh, on a three-game winning streak. They lost a tough one to Lawrence in week one, uh, had a little tough time against Shawnee Mission North in week two, but uh, they almost flipped a switch in week three against Olathe Northwest, won that one 49-21, and then uh, just rolled past Shawnee Mission West last week. So uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting to, to see those two face off uh, in the – in, in week five. And, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned only the North, uh, undefeated coming in, uh, facing Gardner Edgerton. Uh, you have, uh, Lawrence free state still four and I've talked about them in previous ones, so don't have to jump in, but a 41 to 12 win over Shawnee mission Northwest, uh, looks pretty good. They'll be facing, uh, Shawnee mission South this week. So I'm expecting a lot of points in that one for the firebirds. Uh, it, you know, you start moving down and Aquinas, uh, you know, four and uh, they're going to end up facing a Rockhurst team that just beat Bishop Miege last week, 21 to 14. So we'll see if, if Aquinas can get that win either way, they'll have to face, uh, Bishop Miege the week after. Uh, so that one, uh, should be exciting. And then just, uh, you know, I go through the top teams that I hit every week, but, uh, just to give a good shout out, Ottawa, uh, the Cyclones end up pulling off a Pretty big upset, a road victory over Eudora. Uh, they moved to two and two now and pushed Eudora down to two and two. We were thinking that was going to be, uh, a, you know, a state title contender potentially. Uh, and they've had a, a rough couple weeks there uh, after losing to Spring Hill uh, the week before. So uh, Cyclones go in, they pull pull it out a seventeen to fourteen win at Eudora. So uh, pretty big victory uh, there for them. And those are some of the uh, standouts uh, for my area uh, from week four. Yeah, I just taking the baton from you, Mac. I, I would agree. I, I think on the 6A level, uh, Gardner Edgerton made a huge statement last year or last week with that win over Mill Valley. Uh, 6A is really shaping up to be an interesting class, I think. I think we got 12 or 13 teams that are 3-1 and one or 4-0. Or and, and uh, uh you know, it's 
uh, you kind of look for something that separates. And I think Gardner Edgerton threw that threw that out there last week that that maybe they are the team to beat in six A. Uh, you know, Brent had mentioned the the crazy potential finish there at Washburn Rural in Manhattan. Uh, I think South Central Kansas was the place for crazy finishes last week, and and it kind of started with uh, Wichita East knocking off previously unbeaten Wichita Northwest 34-28. Uh, Northwest had a 28 to 14 lead in the fourth quarter, and and uh, East has East, which lost to to Capen earlier in the year, uh, and to Washburn Rural by a point. Uh, they're just a really sneaky, dangerous team. They come back and get that game tied, get the ball back, and and go down and, and have a chance for a game-winning field goal. Uh, line up for the field goal. It's 28-28. It's going to be the last play of regulation. Uh, the the snap is a little bit low, and, and holder MJ White, who's a wide receiver for the Aces, uh, he doesn't even mess around trying to get the ball down. He picks it up, and he he takes off around the left end. And and I, I've, I've seen video, and it just looks like there's got to be four or five Northwest guys who can get him. Uh, but he beats every one of them to the corner and runs it in on the last play of the game. Uh, Wichita East takes that game 34-28. So Wichita East at, at two and two is is you know down here in the West. I think is a really dangerous team moving forward. Uh, Wichita Northwest that one's that one's got a sting. Uh, you know they got a nice win over Cape in the previous week and then uh, uh, dropped this one to East. So they're they're going to be looking to rebound and I think probably would be favored in their next three. Uh, their regular season finale or week eight game is against Manhattan down here in Wichita. Uh, so we get a lot of that six, you know, in six A, a lot of that head-to-head stuff that I think even before the playoffs, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more clarity, and it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, just one of several October matchups down here in the Wichita area that that uh, uh, really uh, I th- I'm I'm interested in seeing how those unfold. Um, you know, we talk about interesting Octobers. Uh, you know, Andale right now just cru- humming along, averaging around seventy points a game, and they're four and zero, and 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 stretch that that winning streak to, to 55 games, which is still the nation's longest uh, uh, winning streak. Uh, they've got Nickers- Nickerson this week. Uh, will be heavily favored in that one. But but when they flip the calendar to October, they're going to have Wichita Collegiate coming into town uh, uh, on October 6th. And and then they go to Cheney, who's unbeaten in 3A uh, the following week. So a good a good back-to-back stretch for Andel coming up here after after this week. And, and the next time we talk, we'll – We'll kind of be in between the in between those big games with Handel. They will have played uh, Wichita Collegiate, and we'll be getting ready for Cheney. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people always are, are looking to see who's going to test Andale. Well, here we are again, uh, kind of coming at the doorstep of that uh, uh, for the Indians here here on the schedule. Um, you know, just out, some other teams who really caught kind of caught my eye in the last week. Uh, you got you got to give it to Eisenhower. I think Brent mentioned them earlier. Uh, in, in the podcast, and and now they're four and zero. They they defeated Andover Central last week, forty one to seventeen, and that's the first time Eisenhower in like the twelve years of their program has been four and zero. Senior Lucas Dickman ran for nearly three hundred yards. I think he had two hundred eighty eight uh, against Andover Central, which that just doesn't happen. That that was an eye catching stat, and and so Andover or I'm sorry, Eisenhower rolls into to a uh, week five meeting uh, with Andover at uh, at four and zero. Uh, and mentioning Andover, I was out at Andover last week. I was, I was going to catch up with Salina Central quarterback Jack Gordon. Uh, he started the season as the backup to, to Gunnar Gross, who was an outstanding uh, player last season for the for the Mustangs. Had a big season, was the unanimous all all league selection at quarterback. And uh, Gross in uh, Salina Central season opener against their rival Salina South uh, gets tackled kind of awkwardly. 
uh, goes down and, and breaks his ankle in three places. So uh, basically on the second or third series of the season, Jack Gordon moves up from, uh, you know, junior varsity quarterback a year ago to the starter this year. And, and uh, the Mustangs had planned on playing him at safety this year. Well, his defensive uh, uh, career lasted about five minutes because he moves over to the, to the offensive side. And it's, it's kind of, it's got them to a three and one start. They lost Eisenhower, uh, Last I'd, last week against Andover, uh, the Mustangs came out really flat and uh, fell behind Andover 13-0. Uh, got back in the game, but but appeared to be on their way to losing. They had they had gotten they were down 21-14, out of timeouts and and uh, uh, but a real fortunate third down situation unfolded for them where the where uh, they knocked the the Andover ball carrier out of bounds. So. So preserved some time on the clock, got the ball back with 35 seconds left. And Gordon engineers a 55-yard five-play drive with no timeouts. Uh, they complete a, a touchdown pass. Uh, Gordon hits uh, Hunter Mowry with a 15-yarder uh, with one second left. And then uh, uh, Coach Mark Sambo rolls the dice and, and uh, runs a two-point conversion out of a field goal formation. And Salina Central gets it uh, and, and defeats Andover 22-21. So... That game and the and the Wichita East Northwest game, two of the wildest finishes probably this season anywhere in the state. Uh, so uh, that that was my stamp on the on the uh, exci- you know exciting games down here. Uh, Cheney, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, they went to Pratt, who's who's been a traditionally pretty tough team. Cheney rolls forty nine nothing in that game. So they that was a statement I think in the, on the three A level. I don't know if it's a big enough statement to. To, to make Andel shake at all, but uh, certainly a big win for Cheney as they move in, uh, move closer to October. And just finally, I want to close with uh, down here uh, in the Wichita area, we're going to start with the Air Capital High School football series this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a schedule of seven games here through, through the rest of the regular season. They're going to be played uh, downtown at Riverfront Stadium in Wichita, uh, the AAA home, uh, the Minnesota Twins. They're going to host uh, seven high school games. They've converted the field, and, and the first game of that series starts Friday night uh, with a, a great rivalry game in Mays versus Mays South. Uh, Mays South three and one. Uh, Mays, of course, after losing Avery Johnson, has kind of had to rebuild and reload a little bit. They're two and two, so it may not have the maybe the heat that it might have had in a, a year or two ago. But uh, I guarantee it's going to be a great atmosphere down in downtown Wichita along the Arkansas River. Uh, there's going to be some other great matchups in October. Uh, the Holy War down here, Bishop Carroll and Cape and Mount Carmel. That's next Friday uh, downtown at, at River, Riverfront. Then there'll be some City League games, a, a few City League games, and then some more rivalry games with like Andover and Andover Central. Uh, Bueller and McPherson actually coming down to play on a Thursday night down here uh, at, at uh, Riverfront. Uh, and then Derby and, and Newton and Arc Valley League matchup uh, to, to wrap up the series. Great little thing they put together. They played some high school games downtown. Uh, at the ballpark here the last couple of years. Uh, Carol and Capen drew over 8,000 fans last year uh, uh, for their contest. And uh, this year, you know, Carol has, has taken kind of a step back this year with, with three losses. And, and uh, but they've got a winning streak over Capen that stretches over 20 years. And uh, so uh, Capen with a loaded, kind of a loaded roster this year. Will this be the year that Capen ends the streak? I think that's one of the things that, that, that kind of makes this series downtown in downtown Wichita intriguing this year and and that game will be coming up next week so uh really cool thing if you're if you're just if you live down here in the Wichita area want to see something unique uh head out to Riverfront Stadium the next few Fridays and and uh, 
an occasional Saturday and Thursday. There's going to be some really neat games down here in the Wichita area. That's a pretty cool deal. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, those showcase type games. Uh, I've always lobbied for Topeka to to do that. You know, they've got Hummer Sports Park. Have have, have a, an area team come in. A couple area teams come in, or or city teams come and play on Thursday nights down there. You know, just a just a little highlight and and uh, some stuff like that. So that's a cool deal, and there'll be some some good games to watch for sure. So. Um, all right, so looking ahead uh, in a couple weeks, we will be, like I said, talking about state golf and state tennis just around the corner. Uh, you know, we got this, the state tournaments coming up for both those sports here uh, within within three weeks. Uh, leagues leagues next week, and then regionals a week from a week from this coming Monday. So the season already winding down. It seemed like it just kind of got going, really. I mean, it seems like we're we're just just picking up some steam, and now we're ready to start winding down some some seasons for tennis and golf, and hopefully we have some great weather for postseason golf. We're not having to go out and freeze uh, freeze a little bit, and uh, you know have some have some beautiful golf days and some beautiful tennis uh, tennis days for those state events. And we'll talk more about those coming next week. Uh, shout out to our our cat fed true blue students of the week over the past couple weeks uh ricky wrote about hoxie's tucker ballman two weeks ago uh, a kid who uh, just refuses to be held back by a disability he has uh this week i wrote about topeka high's mccall beal who uh who's uh, plays the drum line at, at Topeka High and during the summer, and I got the chance to see them play uh, a couple weekends ago, and, and drum lines are entertaining. I don't know if you ever saw the movie with Nick Cannon and, and uh, you know, just the, the showmanship and everything that goes. I'm a former drum player when I was back in uh, middle school and, and high school, and, and so drums have always kind of been something I, I enjoy. I, I, I feel like I can keep a beat. Uh, uh, some people may argue that they know I can't carry a tune, but I can keep a beat. So, um, you know, so check out our Cap Fed True Blue Students of the Week. We do those every single week. They come out on Wednesdays on the Keisha Covered website. Uh, we've had some great ones so far, and and we look forward to featuring kids that do great things in our communities all across the state. So check out our Cap Fed True Blue Students of the Week. So that'll wrap it up for this week. So for Scott Pask, Mac Moore, Ricky Peterson, this is Brent Maycock saying thank you for tuning in to the Cat Fed Acacia Covered Podcast. See you next time.